Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Inc. I'm Dr. Steve Wood, and joining me is Dr. Bill Kanaski. Bill, how the heck are you? Barely alive. <clears throat> um, COVID sucks. I don't have it. I have something, infections, but my wife got it. She's still stuck in LA. She had a quarantine. Absolutely unbelievable. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Well, I, I mean, so idiot me, let me tell you my first story. So idiot me um, decides to fly home the day after Christmas out of LAX. Okay. Do you see where I'm going with this? Sounds bad absolute, already. Yeah. Absolute disaster. Now I see why these people get in, into fights at the airports now. I just wanted to hammer somebody. Oh, it was crazy. And then I can go on my rant right now. It's the people. Okay that are walk they don't walk they stand on the people mover do you know what i'm talking about yeah so the people move it's like an escalator but it's flat right hence the people mover right and you're supposed to get on that it and then you walk on that and it gets you you know so if you're you know chicago hair you're lax it gets you to your gay faster it gets you to your bags faster absolute everybody's standing on the people mover like the standing and it doesn't even go fast so I ran a few people over. That was fun. I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, LAX the day after Christmas, very, very, very bad. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be doing that again. I may have to just uh, if I if I go out there again, I'm coming home on a different day. How was your uh, How was your holiday? It was good. Pretty pretty quiet. You know the the kids getting their presents and stuff, and then just watching them do things for the day. So it was it was pretty quiet. Luckily, knock on wood, no one got sick, so everything was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, today, we need to talk about um, witness training with um, the CEO, or actually really any C-level executive, but we'll call it CEO. <clears throat> By the way, I look like complete dog shit. <clears throat> I sound like it too, so I'm going to be hacking away this whole time. It's that ear drainage that gets in my, ugh, it's awful. Um, CEOs. Um the good thing about CEOs is that they're usually extraordinarily intelligent, right? And yep. successful. Um, and they're also very important witnesses in, in, in a lot of cases. And I've run into a couple of things I've jotted down here, which makes things very challenging for these folks. And this is, you know, male, female, doesn't matter what race. These people are all kind of wired the same. And number one, these people have no time. Okay, these people have you try to schedule the witness prep and, you know, good luck for them showing up on time and good luck for them being around for very long. And I get it. That's 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 the CEO's busy. <clears throat> but, um, you know, they have a lot of things to do. And uh, what, I, what I have found is that trying to get enough time to see, I mean, corporate reps hard enough. Right. I mean, yeah, you get the CEO. It's. Um, it's it's i think it's a little different because the uh, the the time strength so oftentimes they try to block up these these sessions and maybe go two hours at a time over several days to try to get it all in because the odds of them sitting there with you for six or seven hours is um is pretty is pretty low so i think that's one of the first challenges we see uh number two um <laughs> ego these these are these are extraordinarily confident people how how do you um because what i always believe that you have to like dean smith did with michael jordan you you got to break him down or her down 
and then build them back up. Talk to me a little bit about how you get something, somebody super confident, doesn't have to listen to anybody. They're the CEO. How do you break through to gain their trust and to get them to kind of rethink things? I think one of the biggest things I do, obviously, first things first is build rapport and let them know what you're there for, how you're not an attorney and how you're bringing the more psychological aspects to it. You know, but one of the things like you're talking about, about breaking them down is I, I, I reptile them. I, I do things. I do little <laughs> games with them that basically highlight the point that they're going to make mistakes. So, you know, whether or not it's a, a listening exercise where you, you know, you try to put a trip trap, something half truth in a statement and see whether or not they catch it. And most of the time they don't catch it. You know, yeah. and I, the way I usually do it, it's something that's extremely ridiculous that they should have caught and they miss it. And then I always say, okay, well, I caught you on that. What happens if I catch you on something that's more minute yeah. to this case, you're going to, you're going to completely miss it. So doing things really where you show their vulnerabilities and show them the mistakes that they made, you know, tends to get them to open their eyes a little bit more and take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And that we got, we, we, you know, we call that forcing cognition where we have to force them to slow down because there's such fast processors of, of information that they, they miss things. And that can be, that can be devastating. Uh, one, two, number three, distracted at work. Okay. So I'm working with the now who shall go unnamed. And the first two sessions were in a conference room at the company. Wow. I mean, <laughs> The, you know, you got the, um, yeah, the phone has to go away. You can't have uh, administrative assistant coming in, passing notes every 10 minutes. Um, do you, I, I always find that environment is far more productive for uh, witness training. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, tr trying to find it away or if, if there's a conference room that has glass you can see through it if it has the shades pull yeah. the shades and doing doing any of those types of thing i think getting to the point where the ceos need to understand that you know their their role in the case and that if they don't do well in the deposition it could mean the difference between winning the case and losing the case i think you have to impress upon them that that fact that they need to take this seriously and that we're there to help yeah. and if they don't it, it's at their own peril of their company which obviously as a ceo your first priority is going to be to your company, right? And making sure your company shows well yeah. in that position. Yeah. And doing that on your home field typically is not a good thing because rarely is the depth going to be there. It's going to be at a law firm. Exactly. And so I think that's, so let's, um, let's kind of take a little right turn here into some more social psychology. We would call that us big guys would call that state dependent learning. Exactly. Tell our audience about state dependent. But see, I did take some social psych. I'm not a, I'm not an idiot. Well, I am yeah. an idiot, but just so not. state dependent learning. Obviously, it, what what state dependent learning is is where, you know, you're you're in a better position to remember things to perform at a higher level when you're in the in the spot where you're actually going to have to perform. So, for example, one of the classic things actually is where they talk about whether or not someone has, you know drank while they're studying and then whether or not they've smoked weed while they were studying and then going to take the test, they say you're actually in a better position, right? To have smoked weed again or drink again when you're actually taking the test. Right? So, so to all the college students listening to the podcast, exactly. please ignore, um, ignore Dr. Wood. But I think it's, uh, I, I'm going to go back to my sports analogy. You know, if you're playing on, on Saturday or Sunday, 
you should probably be practicing on turf during the week. And I know, and a lot of baseball or uh, baseball, um, some football domes are extraordinarily loud because it's a dome or a dome that's a basketball court. And they will blast music so the players can't hear each other purposely. You have to perform in that. I mean, imagine practicing in an empty gym and then having to go to the Dean Smith Center. I hate to say this, Cameron Indoor. I mean, it's such the environment that it's just you have to be in that state. Exactly. All right. So one, two, three. Number four, you already said it. God, do they hate attorneys? C-level executives cannot stand attorneys, which puts us in a really good position because every time they see an attorney, I, so the CEO I'm working with, he, he looks at the attorney, goes, every time I see you, I see a dollar sign. And it's bad news. Um, that I think that is just part of the deal when it comes to any corporate uh, executive, they may like their in-house attorney <laughs> but when they see the trial attorneys coming up and the hourly rate, I think they kind of come in there. I don't know. What do you, th- I think a lot of them come in with a negative attitude because they're they like, do. Oh man, like this sucks. Yeah, they do. And I think the other thing to your, to your point about the, just the dollar signs, but the other thing is think about all the interactions they've ever had with those attorneys. It's the all negative, bad. The, the, yeah, exactly. Right. Then the, the negative complaint that they're getting the <laughs> negative communications all the different things that are are negative, 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 negative. Well, what do you expect is going to happen when they see the attorney? I mean, it's going to re-engage that negative feeling that they're having. So yeah. it, it, it causes a problem. But yeah, I think it puts us in a good position to come in and say, hey, we're working with them. But at the same time, we're, we tend to, tend to be more of the positive light for them, right? Because we're coming in and, oh, yeah. and that's their first experience with us. Yeah. So we got one, two, three, four, five. Let's go number five. Where are we? Five. One, two, three, four, five. Um, <clears throat> anger. I see this a lot in commercial litigation or in a catastrophic injury or death case where you have defendants pointing fingers uh, at each other. But a lot in commercial litigation where it's like a contract breach, some fiduciary duty was was breached, and boy, are these guys pissed because. Mm-hmm. They, they they lost money right in some way by the way number that is the not the only but pretty close the only area of, of plaintiff work that i do is commercial litigation where one of our traditional you know defense clients is now a plaintiff because they're suing somebody else boy is that fun you ever do a mock trial on a plaintiff case when you're that oh it's it's they will they will bear no expense um, to, uh, to win, but I've seen, I've seen the anger part, uh, particularly when you have, you know, I talk about like the homegrown, uh, CEO, you know, I'm not saying he or she started as the janitor, but they started and they went up the chain and they get all the way to the top. I mean, I've seen some of those folks, they get, they get really, really, really defensive and angry when questioned about things. Cause I think it's that, that stepwise career that, that, that kind of pushes them over the edge. Yeah. And I think the anger obviously is something you need to address right up front rather than let it fester or just downplay and say, we'll just get over it. Right. I mean, come on, we need yeah. just ignore it. No, I mean, I think you need to address the anger yeah. up front because you know, that, that I think is another thing to be on, you know, when we're talking about kind of how we can layer in our expertise and how we bring value is 
we address things and we're able to uncover and peel back the layers of the onion of that anger in a way that's different than the attorneys. I mean, I've had witnesses before that just spending time talking to them and stuff alleviates some of that anger yeah. that they've been ever an attorney goes afterwards and said, man, we've never been able to get her here. He or she to actually, you know, do that or, or reveal that information, but you need to get to it or, or before you move on or it's, it's problematic. Yeah. I, to I totally, um, totally agree with that. <clears throat> All right. So we got one, two, three, four, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. I can't, I can't count with the head cold, dude. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, <clears throat> refusal to punt the ball to somebody else. Yeah. The, the CEO doesn't know everything going on in computer engineering department. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> and what I found out is that they will, they will try to answer questions that they need to punt to probably one of the, you know, the PMQs or, or PMKs and, um, their refusal. To, I think they feel bad for not knowing everything as the CEO is up in your experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the biggest, <laughs> you know, that one of the biggest things to handle is, is the fact, like you said, that everybody needs to feel like they need to have an answer at all times, and especially the CEO, because they're the ones who are usually running the meetings. They're usually the ones who are supposed to have all the answers. Yeah. And now you're putting in a position where they actually have to say, I don't know, don't, don't know the answer, but yeah. So going back to what you said about ego, that hurts their ego as well. Right. Is that they don't want to say, I don't know, or any, they don't want to be able to do that. So that what they end up doing, right. Is stepping out on a limb, speculating, trying to yeah. act like they have the answers and you can guarantee it's going to be the wrong answer. Or it's going to be the half answer. And then they're going to get yeah. in trouble later. And then the good, the good attorney, the good cross examiner, will apply emotional pressure at that point, you know, doing the, okay. So you're the CEO and you're telling me you can't give me X, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, you know, the, the, the person in finance has that information and they start kind of guessing, <clears throat> which again, can bring in some inaccuracy and lead to, uh, <clears throat> lead to some, some really bad looks. Number seven, they won't shut up. <laughs> Yeah, it will not shut up. I mean, again, like you said, they're used to leading the meetings. They're used to being at the podium and then they're at, say, deposition or they're on the stand and they won't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and what they, I think they, what they fail to realize and what they don't like is that particularly like I found this uh, like during direct examination or rehab at, at trial, the, the trial attorney is in charge, <laughs> not the witness. And I think that puts them in a very awkward position, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, I think really that's one of the roadblocks in general about dealing with these individuals who are used to being the ones who give the orders or be used to being the ones who everybody defers to. And, you know, the, the, they're the ones who everybody's saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now they have to relinquish some of that power and give it over to the attorney. And I think it's, it's different territory for them and it's uncomfortable territory for them to actually say, okay, now I'm on the receiving end. Now I'm essentially, I'm the employee to the attorney. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Number eight, and this is all over the place, dress code. I mean, I've seen some of these folks come in with, you know, $10,000 watches and you know, the, you know, the Park Avenue suit. Um, I've also seen them come in and shorts and 
it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. That, what, what do you think? Again, for the CEO, right? Because I, I think you know what dress code is for most. A CEO is a little bit different. What do you recommend on <clears throat> dress code? Because you you don't want to go over the top <clears throat> and look like a gazillionaire. And by the way, most of these folks are gazillionaires. I mean, they they, they are. Um, as far as dress code, what we think? And I tell you, the number one I'm thing I'm terrible with. And I tell the first thing I tell if I'm working with a woman, I say, I'm not going to tell you what to wear. I'm going to let somebody else tell you what, because I I'm colorblind. I, I'm just terrible with that. But what is your with the proper dress code to, to not be underneath and look sloppy, but also not be over the top? I think a couple of things you can do. One, you know, we've seen with it's more or less the the, the no tie in the sport coat, right? The suit with yeah. no tie. Or the other thing is if you go, you know, you go tie everything really, you want to be more conservative view, right? I mean, if you got the $10,000 Rolex, leave it home. If you got the $5,000 shoes, leave them home, right? You don't have to, you know, to dress, you know, like you're going to the beach, but at the same time, you need to find a happy medium because you need to understand that jurors are paying attention to all those different things, whether it be your suit, whether your tie, your shoes, your watch, all of those things, because they're already coming in with a perception of, CEO, large corporation, greedy individual, yeah. doesn't have a soul. And I don't think you want to feed into that by your dress. So I think the two things really more of a, a conservative type outfit with a, with a tie or just kick the tie and, and just, just wear a suit with no tie. All good stuff. All good stuff. Number nine, I, I'm getting, I'm getting to my list of 10 here, which started at five and now I just keep adding to it. <clears throat> um, this is for deposition uh, during breaks. Okay. What's the first thing the CEO is going to do during a break phone. Right. right? And uh, I mean, you, you tell me I had to write a paper on this on the cognitive witness, but particularly the CEO, if they're on their phone reading emails during their break, that is, that's not a break, is it? No, that's, that's not a break at all. And then you run the risk too of, having them read an email where it's something that they need, it's a fire they need to put out or something that they need to, they're paying attention to. Then all of a sudden now they're in the deposition focusing more on what they saw in their email than focusing on the questions that are in front of them. So setting yourself up for all sorts of cognitive, you know, interruptions. What if you get a bad email at minute three of your break and you're in the middle of a full day deposition? I mean, that that's going to make, you know, it can make you angry. It can make you say, it could be, I mean, all kinds of things can happen. And I think the pressure, those folks to, to check those things is really tough. It's, it's tough to not let them do it. Or maybe you have to extend the break and go, listen, you, you got, you got five minutes to look at email and then you're going to take the 10 minute break. So you don't wear down cognitively by, you know, using all your brain fuel, uh, happens all the time. And, um, they really, I know, related point. I think all witnesses, but particularly the C-level executives, and I, I do the same thing. If I if I don't have my phone on me for fifteen seconds, I start to have a <laughs> start to have a panic attack, right? Like I'm so used to having this damn thing, yeah. and it's like you know, I, I that's an attention you know, draw. <laughs> and then you walk into say deposition or obviously trial, <clears throat> you take that away from them. And it's kind of, right. It's kind of like having that feeling of, okay, we're, I'm, I'm missing something. So that's another 
reason why I think it's important during prep sessions, during training sessions, don't let them have, don't let them have that damn phone. Cause it's, a, it's a huge distraction. And then when they don't have it during the actual testimony, it's going to be trouble. Finally, finally, number 10, I feel like I'm like David Letterman up here. I should get the, was it? I was waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, jury selection. They, because re- what, what is a, what is a corporate rep or a, a, a defense? What do you do during jury selection? You do nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Have, you have to have perfect body language, be engaged, look attentive. You're not talking, right? Now, what your CEO talks in a day, and now you got to sit there for a day maybe two days and i see i mean they start out like this and then i swear maybe in about 40 minutes and it's like this and then they're back like this and then they're doing one of these and it's it's tedious and boring and i've i've consulted on several jury selections where i had to like kick the dude next to me like hey what are you what are you doing it's like well it's only jury selection like they're 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 watching you it's absolutely crazy i think one Um, on that point too we've talked about before is that (laughs) You know, we, we highlight, especially with CEOs, is to understand that essentially you're, quote unquote, on stage at all times. And that means before you get into the courthouse, right? So those CEOs who are worried about whether or not jurors are paying attention to them during jury selection or voir dire, they need to understand that not only are they paying attention then, but if they see you around the courthouse, they're paying attention then, too, once they know who you are. Anything you do outside of the courthouse in, in the presence yeah. of the jury that they might see is, is definitely something they'll take into consideration as well. Yeah. And we tell all jurors, or I'm sorry, all witnesses, this stuff. I just think this, this C, any C-level executive is typically more challenging For sure. um, in, the, in, in this regard. So um, 2022, uh, 21 was an absolute epic shit show um, <laughs> on a number of levels. <laughs> Um, and 22 is not with COVID 22 is not starting out so good. Uh, I think what you're going to (laughs) see, um, I'm not Nostradamus here, but I think what you're going to see is a lot of these courtrooms and courthouses start going back to what they were doing a year, year and a half ago with, with Delta. And I think it's probably going to, you know, slow down the pipeline a little bit because this, uh, this new variant's pretty damn uh, contagious. So I think what that spells for all of us, you know, trial attorneys, in-house attorneys, trial consultants like you and I, is it's going to create a lot of chaos in um, in scheduling. And so I cannot say I'm looking forward uh, to that. And then you know, you and I travel, so the airports will be a disaster, and they'll be can't. And there are like you know it's going out of style so i think it's it could be a rut you know until we get to and no i don't listen to dr fauci i don't listen to one where he says uh i think until we get to march madness wait i think march madness is about the time starts to warm up a little bit people start getting outside and hopefully be a little better. Any closing thoughts? And you, you can you can wrap it up here. No, I just um, you know I think twenty. I was I was looking a lot more forward to twenty twenty two up until recently. So I, I'm 
I'm cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, I'm, I'm worried that, like you said, we're going to revert back to where we were, you know, 16 months ago or 18 months ago. And that, that makes me yeah. a little bit nervous. So let's, let's hope we don't, but looking forward to 2022, looking forward to having some podcasts on, looking forward yeah. to t- chatting to you more about these topics. Oh yeah. We will be on again soon. Thank you everybody. Steve, Dare closing. This has been another edition of Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Inc. I am Dr. Steve Wood. If you'd like to contact me, it's swood at courtroomsciences.com. Bill Kanaski at bkanaski at courtroomsciences.com. We'll see you on the next podcast. See you.